Who will you emerge as when you no longer conform to the rigid ideas you've been bought and sold into? When you no longer bow down, play small, or shrink yourself to fit their standards? I see you. I hear you. I feel you. And I am here with you. This is Addicted to the Man, the show where we challenge the status quo and evoke radical change. Be prepared to receive life-changing transmissions while you cry, laugh, celebrate, and liberate yourself. Let's have a talk. Hi, everyone. Welcome. In today's episode, I'm going to build upon the topic of grief. It is a continuation to a previous talk that I did right before leaving Costa Rica. And if you haven't had the chance to listen to that episode, I'd encourage you to scroll back down and find it and listen. So I had just completed a co-living experiment with a couple of women, and I was feeling tremendous grief in my heart. I was poolside, and I had inspiration coming through, and the words were just flowing. So I picked up the mic, and I started recording. The recording was cut off abruptly because my alarm went off to go pick up my daughter from school. So um, I went ahead and posted the episode as it was, not really listening to it before I did so. And I didn't think much of its unfinished ending. To my great surprise, though, I had so many of you, I had so many messages from you asking me what happened to the recording, what went wrong. And again, I'm so very surprised how many of you actually listen. And you were also telling me that you were looking forward to the continuation. So here we go. Part one of the episode, Grief, the Doorway to Heaven, ended with me starting to talk about our experience playing the Leela game. And I just want to touch on this a little bit here because some of you have asked what this game was about. And I'm going to attempt to give you a very brief explanation of it, but I highly suggest looking into this if you feel called to do so. Leela is life itself. This game has been used for many, many centuries, clearing up negative mind tendencies and developing higher consciousness. It is said that playing this game can open up the awareness of our mind patterns, and by doing so, we can change our life and our destiny. It really is a profound game of life, which provides insights into human consciousness and a key to divine knowledge. So I hope this gives you a little glimpse into what this game is about, and you can now go on and do your own research, and hopefully you can find a facilitator to partake in this game as well, because it's quite eye-opening and it can be a lot of fun. Now back to grief. You know, I was a little hesitant to do this part too. Um, I've had some time reflecting on this feeling, on this topic of grief, and I do realize it's a very tough subject. There is so much to it and it's quite overwhelming and complicated. And I felt like I may have bitten off a little more than I can chew, but I'm going to stay true to my word and dug a little deeper with the intention of not only talking about it, but also finding meaning. So let's let's just start talking about the difference between grief and sorrow, because 
It was getting me a little mystified as to why trying to identify the feelings I was feeling, I came up with grief. I mean, that's the first thing that popped into my mind and it felt very much as grief. But to me, grief was only used to describe a feeling that was associated with physical death. So I was a little baffled. But grief is the name of the process that our heart goes through when we have experienced a loss. And sorrow is the emotion that our heart is feeling. So yes, grief is a death of something. But contrary to popular belief and my belief, it's not just a loss of life. It's not death in, in a sense that we think of death, like someone dying. Yes, when someone dies, it is grief that we're experiencing, but grief can surface for the loss of anything. It could be an experience, a job, a relationship, a home, or anything that you have lost. And I find it quite fitting that we talk about grief right now because there has been so much loss lately. You know, with the pandemic, we can grieve our old way of life. And so many things are changing so rapidly that grief really is surfacing in a lot of people's lives. So I hope we can give a little, shed a little light on this topic with this episode. You know, we have collective loss and personal loss, and it's painful. But loss just happens in this world. It is a way of life, period. And so when I decided to dive deeper into this topic, I did some research on grief and I learned a lot from David Kessler, who is really the world's foremost expert on grief and loss. And he said something really profound that really struck a chord within me. He said that the worst loss is always your loss. Now let, let, that, let that sink in a little bit. The worst loss is always your loss. Many times when grief surfaces, like it did for me in Costa Rica, seemingly coming out of nowhere, and for no good reason, we try, try, to, uh, try to deny it, start doing comparison and say something on the lines of, well, I shouldn't be feeling this way because it's not that bad. You know, we compare it to other people's situation. You know, I could have asked myself, what's so bad about having to end a month-long co-living situation with a couple of women? Don't be such a baby. You can still be friends. Keep the connection. It's not, end of the, not the end of the world. And then we can really try to push down the feelings, try to cover them up, do something to distract ourselves and not really deal with it head on. But the feeling of deep sadness is still there, whether we choose to look into it, sit with it or not. And I believe that that's where we can go wrong and stop this process that could really find an incredibly healing outlet for us. We bring in comparison and judgment. But remember, there is no comparison when you know that the worst loss is always your own loss. And if you don't let yourself feel it, you can't, you can't heal it. There is really no spiritual bypassing of pain. But who wants to feel pain? We always want to just want to be happy. To, we strive to be joyful and 
we've been told to fake it till you make it, right? But that to me is bypassing. There's, there's a really fine line between not letting ourselves get stuck in this loop of self-pity and, and pain and suffering and, and acting like all is well and not truly going through it. We all know that the only way out is through. You know, I really love Osho. I know that there is a lot of controversy around him and I don't really care. I don't really look at him as a person. I really do take his teachings to heart because they just resonate with me. And he has a tarot deck, uh, Zen tarot deck, that, and there's a card in it named Sorrow. This card is the equivalent of the Nine of Clouds or Nine of Swords, whichever tarot you're familiar with. And this card, Nine of Swords, speaks of anxiety, worry, fear, depression, nightmares. But the way Osho brings light to this card and the way he explains it to me is profound. Just to give you a little visual of the card, it shows the image of Ananda hunched over, deeply saddened, very much in pain. Ananda was a cousin and disciple of Buddha, and he was by his side continuously for 42 years. And when Buddha died, he was by his side crying. The other disciples were coming to him and chastised him for misunderstanding because Buddha died absolutely fulfilled and he should be rejoicing. But Ananda said, you misunderstand. I'm, I'm weeping not for him, but for myself. Because for all these years, I have been constantly at his side, but I have still not attained. And it is said that Ananda stayed awake for the whole night, meditating deeply and truly letting himself feel his pain and sorrow. And by the morning, it is said that he was enlightened. So the point of this story, the point of this card, why Osho chose this image and explanation for this card is to teach us that times of great sorrow have the potential to be times of great transformation. But he also points out that in order for this transformation to happen, we must go deep to the very roots of our pain and experience it as it is without blame or self-pity. So remember, if we allow ourselves to just really feel the feelings without the judgment, knowing and acknowledging and truly honoring the fact that the worst loss is always your loss, then you can also allow this pain to work through you and ultimately pushing through and re-emerging with a true transformation. You can let go of old belief systems, healing some of the very deeply buried wounds and start finding meaning. So in my case, in Costa Rica, I could have very easily said, well, get over yourself. What are you so sad about? You know, the sun is out, the birds are chirping, the monkeys are jumping. You're at this beautiful location, poolside. You have absolutely no reason to be grieving such a small thing. But yet, that undeniable deep pain was there. And now I know why it was there, you know. We grieve because we have loved or we love, right? And I had such profound, incredible moments of love, of pure love. Not the romantic kind that we always talk about, but just deep, deep love 
surfacing that it made me feel like my heart was about to burst, explode several times during our co-living experiment. And perhaps for the very first time in my life, I had the courage to stay with that pain, to feel it through without judgment. And there's another really profound quote that is worth mentioning here, also from David Kessler, is that judgment demands punishment. I'm going to say this again. It's worth the repeat. Judgment demands punishment. So if you're to judge the validity of your feelings, you would then punish yourself and others around you. And you would miss this beautiful opportunity to getting closer to your to self-liberation. Okay, that was that was deep. That was deep for me. Back to Osho. Osho goes on explaining sorrow, and he says that that this pain that we're feeling is not to make us sad. That's where we go on missing. That's where we go wrong. This pain is just to make us more alert because people become alert only when the arrow goes deep into their heart and wounds them. Otherwise, we don't become alert. When life is easy, comfortable, convenient, who the hell cares? Who bothers to become alert? But when a friend dies, there is a possibility. When our partner leaves or when we lose a job, a home, those are those dark nights that we're lonely, that we're weeping. Because we loved so much, whether that person or that experience or that thing, and we have staked it all. And then suddenly it's just all gone. And when we're crying in our loneliness, those are the occasions when if we use them correctly, we can become aware. The arrow is hurting, but it can be used. The pain is not to make us miserable. The pain is to make us more aware because he says that when we are aware, misery disappears. You know, we're so very afraid to face sadness. I know I am. That we truly rob ourselves from an incredible opportunity to break through, to reach to our heart's core and to set ourselves free because we can set ourselves free. Grieving grieving such deep losses is important because it allows us to free up energy that is bound to the lost person or the object or or the experience so that we may that we might reinvest that energy elsewhere but until we grieve effectively we're likely to find reinvesting difficult because part of us remains tied to the past whether we are aware of it or not and so once we go through this process of deep pain letting it take its course and however long it needs to you know no judgment no comparison. It may take one person a month, another several months or years. You don't know how deep the other person had the capacity to love, right? So no comparison, period. You know, so many times people say, find the gratitude in the loss. But gratitude is not in the loss. 
we don't need to look for gratitude in the loss. There is there's really no gratitude for someone leaving this world or someone leaving you as lonely. The gratitude is in life itself. Having had that experience, having known that person, having had that experience together. The gratitude is not in losing it. And so once we understand this, we can also understand that the meaning is also not in the loss. Are you following me? The meaning is not in the loss. The meaning is in us. So when we get to the point where we have grieved and we have freed up this energy, then we can turn our attention towards something that is meaningful. Okay. I think I've extended myself with this topic. This is a lot to sit with, a lot to listen to, to digest, at least for me it is. But before I go, I want to leave you with a story of the long spoons. I find the parable of the long spoons very fitting to use to explain heaven and hell. And that kind of brings us full circle back to the beginning, to the title of this talk, because I really didn't know why I chose this title. It felt kind of weird saying it out loud, grief, the doorway to heaven, but it also felt real. And now it makes perfect sense. So here's the parable of the long spoons. One day, a man said to God, God, I would like to know heaven and hell. So God said, okay, let me show you what they look like. So he so God showed the man two doors. Inside the first door, in the middle of the room, was a large round table with a large pot of vegetable stew. It smelled so delicious and mouth-watering. But to the man's surprise, everyone was thin and sickly. The people there appeared to be famished, unhealthy, and miserable. They all had these really long spoons. The handles were so long, they were longer than their arms. So they could not figure out how to feed themselves. And as a result, they were starved. Even though they could smell the delicious food and it was available to them, they just couldn't feed themselves. And the man looked at God and said, is this hell? And God said, yep. And so behind the second door, the room was exactly the same. There was a, a large round table with a large pot of wonderful vegetable stew that made the man's mouth water. And again, the people had these really weird long-handled spoons, but they were all well-nourished well and plump. And everyone was happy and healthy, even though they still could not feed themselves but they could feed each other. And that's what they did. They fed each other the soup with those long handled spoons. They were laughing and talking and really having a great time. So the moral of this story is that grief must be witnessed. And even when we experience collective grief, like we are experiencing it at this moment in time, we can still be there for each other to witness each other through our grief. So in closing, I want to inspire and encourage you to give yourself and the ones you love the space and the time to grieve whatever it is that you're grieving with no comparison and no shame and love yourself through it. So there it is, full circle, grief really is a doorway to heaven if we let ourselves go through the entire process.
So I want to thank you guys for listening and I would love to hear back from you. Give me your feedback. Was this helpful? Did this make any sense to you? I really love to hear from you. I, I love all your comments and I value and greatly appreciate all your messages and love. Thanks so much, guys. Bye.